The Guardian. Hello again, this is Michael White with the Guardian's Daily Election podcast. Day five of the post-election wash-up, and we still haven't got a government, at least we haven't as I talk, but who knows, we could have one any minute. They could all form a government of national unity. No, they won't, I'm making that up. Uh, To fill in time while the politicians sort out the mess, very enjoyable mess, I've come to College Green. You may not know College Green, but you do know it actually, because you see it on the telly all the time. It's that little patch of space just at the House of Lords end of the Palace of Westminster. Around here is a milling throng. Tourists, visitors, party officials, politicians, journalists, presenters, producers, and they're all interviewing each other, basically. And I've come because I'm due to be interviewed. But no, I've missed my slot. I'm like an aircraft at Heathrow. I'm being stacked. Let's see who we can talk to. Well, I've just spotted Lance Price, who uh, was in the very same spot here on College Green that I last saw him 12 or 14 hours ago. Have you been home to bed, Lance? I haven't moved. No, no, I sort of nipped nipped behind a hedge to change my shirt and change my socks and then came out again. He's always very meticulous. Now, Lance is an interesting case and, of course, it's a real field day for him. Uh, Years ago, he was a BBC political journalist like me. Then he went to work for Alistair Campbell in Number 10 Downing Then he left and he does many things. You run a hotel somewhere, don't you, Lance? Something like that. Something like that. But he also pops up on occasions like this to offer a perspective... comes from both sides of the fence. What have you been telling the viewers and listeners? Well, I've been telling people that I think the idea of a rainbow coalition, although I have the best interests, I hope, of the Labour Party still at heart, that's where my heart lies, uh, and I'm a supporter of proportional representation, I think this idea of a rainbow coalition would be very damaging to the Labour Party and very damaging to the cause of PR. Okay. now you're in the same position then as heavyweights like John Reid and David Blunkett, and I expect John Prescott if they let him out of the cellar. I'm sure that's right, but and I know that uh, people like John Reid and, and, and David Blunkett do take the same view, and others do as well. What I'm waiting for, and I'm here on College Green in the sunshine, a bit chilly with the wind blowing, I'm trying to find one of my old mates on the new Labour wing of things to explain to me what the cunning plan is, because they must have one. These are not Ooh, stupid. Are you people. sure you've been in Downing Street? These are not. <laughs> these are not stupid people. I can't believe they're trying to put together some sort of ragged coalition that, to outside eyes, everyone thinks would fall apart in a matter of yeah, months. I think you're right there. Relying on the votes of every... It's not just the nationalist votes that they'd have to worry about. It's the votes of every single Labour MP would have to be in the in the right lobby on every single vote. And I just can't see how the it numbers works. numbers don't stack up, do they, among all the other problems? But... Gordon Brown's not a stupid man. Peter Mandelson's not a stupid man. Lord Adonis is not a stupid man. Clever people do stupid things. We've all noticed that. There must be a cunning plan. Now, I'm trying to think think that the cunning plan can only be to claim that you have a mandate for electoral reform for AB on the grounds that both Labour and the Liberal Democrats had it in that one, had reform of the electoral system in their manifestos, that you then force that through while you can just about hold this ragbag coalition together and then you go to the country. Maybe that's the cunning plan. If it's not, I'd like someone to tell me what the cunning plan is. Well, is the cunning plan possibly that they've used this battering ram that you've just accurately described in order to persuade Gordon Brown at last to agree to step down. Brown spent 10 years getting Tony Blair to promise to do that, eventually got there. Uh, at least they've 
the modernizers, the people on the Adonis Mandelson wing, I suppose you could count that as a Labour gain, couldn't you? I can't argue with your basic contention that it has proved a little difficult to dislodge Gordon Brown from Downing Street, even by those in the Labour Party who would like to see him go. However, I think actually he would have gone anyway, and I can't see... I mean, this is neither a way to get rid of Gordon Brown by people in the Labour Party, nor is it, I think, a way to help Nick Clegg and his negotiations with the Conservatives, because altruistic though the Labour Party is, and having the interests of everybody else at heart and never acting uh, out of partisan self-interest. Self absolutely so. Yeah, I can't believe that uh, Gordon Brown has done what he's done simply in order to give uh, Nick Clegg a leg up in his negotiations with David Cameron. Because he squeezed AV out of William Hague, words I never thought would cross Hague's lips last night. Well, there you are. And the extraordinary thing, of course, and it's great for us standing here on uh, College Green, is that all these negotiations are now taking part in public. They were all in private over the weekend, very little leaking out. Now it's bid and counterbid on television. So this really was the television election. I can see you're having a good time. Thank you very much. The logistics of this little encampment are enormous. Uh, people move around, the producers have to get the right people lined up uh, for the right moment. Then it's like a traffic jam or aircraft stacking over Heathrow. Michael Portillo's turned up late. The person he was going to be intervie interviewed with has to wait. Uh, ITN grabs them. No, it's Sky. No, it's BBC uh, Radio 4. No, here comes the World Service. And this sort of little, little touring uh, uh, circus. I'm standing here uh, with the BBC's uh, chief political correspondent, brackets, James Landale. He's seen it all before. Have I got that roughly right, James? Yeah, it's, it's the pure market. We are all fighting for a, a small group of people uh, to tell us what's going on. It's one of those days when uh, there's an awful lot of uh, people with stuff to say and not that much information. Well, we never uh, short of words, are we, between us? That's what we're for. Oh, yeah, that's what we're paid for. But certainly it is a pure market at the moment to try and get people with some kind of grip of what's going on to tell us what is going on so that we can then inform our audiences. Right. Talking of which, I've now got Julian Astle, who is a Lib Dem think tanker. He runs Centre Forward. forward yep. Yeah, that's it, I got it. Centre now, Forward. Uh, he and I, we think we're due on the air together for the BBC News Channel in a few minutes, but there's been another of these traffic jams, so we're hanging around waiting. Tell us what you're going to say to me and the interviewer <laughs> when we get on uh, the News Channel, Julian. Well, if I ever do get on the News Channel, what I'm going to say is that I think that the, uh, the idea of a Lib Lab coalition government is one that is not going to get off the ground. I don't say that with any... Um, any great cheer um, I think it would have been an interesting idea lots of people on the centre left would have applauded it um, but the numbers aren't there the Labour backbenchers are hostile and Labour ministers are disengaged mentally checked out it ain't going to happen Now why is there such tribal difficulty in the Labour ranks because you read the Daily Mail you'll think they're desperate to cling to power at any cost it's like the raft of Medusa yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the Labour Party as well as I know the Lib Dems. I, the feeling I get is that the, the view of the Labour Party is that they actually do need some time in opposition um, to, to gather the, themselves and to renew, and I suspect they're probably right about that. So the flip side of all this is a deal with the Tories, but your party won't be comfortable with that. No, it, it's um, all the decisions in front of the Lib Dems have their downsides and their risks, um, but I think the decision that they need to make is now crystal clear. The Tories are going to be in government, in my view. The Lib Dems have to decide, do they let them go it alone or do they join in? And my view is that actually it is in both the Lib Dems' party interest and in the national interest for the Lib Dems to form a coalition government with a workable majority to get on with the business of dealing with this deficit. You're up for this, but the older people, people who came from the SDP, people who once came from the Labour Party, um, other 
60-somethings, Paddy Ashdown, David Steele, Shirley Williams, are instinctively of the Labour tribe and they don't want you to do what you've just proposed. I don't think it is the generations clashing. I think that, that what is clashing here um, are the instincts of the Liberal Democrats clashing up against arithmetical reality. I just don't think the numbers are there for anything other than a LibCon coalition. Now, change of pace here because uh, we've uh, bumped into Anthony Barnett, uh, ex-Charter 88 man, Convention of Modern uh, uh, Liberty, now in charge of what? I'm the founder of Open Democracy, which has been going about, a website this going about 10 years. This is a good website which we, which we look into, it pulls in all sorts of stuff. Very good. Global <coughs> website for democracy and openness. Democracy and Openness Global website. He's warming a very good fleece. I'd, uh, I'd like to be wearing that myself. Uh, how do you I'm read I'm wearing Wolski? purple as well. This is the, this is, well, the significance of the demonstration on uh, Saturday, which called Nick Clegg out, um, and I think it was the first time ever that a demonstration that wasn't kind of encouraged by a party leader brought that party leader out and said, no sellout, we want to have, uh, we want to have fair votes now. Uh, and what's very striking about this situation is while everybody is talking about the leaders and what they're dealing, I think of generational change has taken place. There's a generation in their 20s, early 30s, who've grown up under New Labour. They're not Tory. They see Labour Party as the establishment. They don't like the way the country's been run. They feel they've been lied to, manipulated. And they feel that their votes, in a certain sense, they're saying we want democracy and we want, we, you know, a modern, normal democracy. And that's, that purple is the colour of franchise, uh, and there'll be a very big demonstration this coming Saturday. That's my feeling. People around the country are calling them up. Now, when you say we want a normal democracy, what picture, what country, what crucial elements have you got in mind when you say something like that? Because um, not everyone will <coughs> follow it. Well, I, I think of, uh, in European terms, I think of Sweden, Germany, Spain. I think a, a normal democracy is one which is constitutional, it has a Bill of Rights. A written constitution, yes. Bill of Rights, yes, proportional it, representation, any particular kind? Uh, well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm rather for the German, the AMS system, because I think it has constituency plus top-up, and that works That's in Scotland. That's what they have in Scotland, yeah. yeah. But the thing about it is that it's, it's, it's that there's a sense in which the, the, the country belongs to the people, People, but not in some, not the people as a mob or the way in this country everybody says, oh, you know, it all just means mob rule or majority rule. If you take one, one example of what's happening here. The papers are saying, look how bad it all is. Look what a mess. This is what PR silly, brings it? you into. But actually, when you listen to the politicians, suddenly their tone has changed. This is fundamental to me. This I'm willing to agree on. We haven't got a majority here. There's a tone of address between the politicians of different political parties, which is quite attractive, right? Well, not and for everybody, because well, I think they're being too flexible, the, a lot of people, don't they? The, not yeah, just but, the papers. But there's, but there's a certain sense of, oh, well, Luna, that's like real life. This is what it's like in a company or in a newspaper or in a marriage. Or, you know, people are making talking about what really matters to them and what doesn't. And suddenly, instead of this sort of hysterical Alastair Campbell, you've got to be strong and not... Suddenly, they're talking like human beings. That's part of what I think in this country, coalition government of this court would work extremely well. Excellent point on which to end. Upbeat, articulate as ever. Thank you. Right, it's mid-afternoon. We've retreated to the press gallery bar, which has recently been refurbished by health and safety and other helpful people. So it's not as lovable as it was, but never mind. We're still waiting for an outcome. We've no idea when it's going to take place today, tomorrow, who can say? 
But we've got the next best thing. Guardian's political correspondent, uh, Allegra Stratton, has been working 14 hours a day on this story ever since the polls closed. Here with her notebook, you can hear it flicking as we talk. Allegra's going to tell us what's going on. What's going on, Allegra? Well, there's so many meetings, I have to admit, I can't really keep track on them. The context is that yesterday, Westminster was shocked. Some people not so shocked, including myself, that uh, Clegg had been dealing with the to- with the Labour side um, while seemingly purely dealing with the Tories. It turned out that he'd met um, Brown and Mandelson and others over the weekend. And what they were trying to figure out was how they could get Brown to go, or rather Clegg was making it very clear, I'm not talking to you at all if you stay, i.e. this guy, he's he's been defeated at the polls, he simply can't stay. Um, where we, do we, if I can interrupt yeah. you there, do we know the truth of the weekend allegation reported very prominently in the Mail on Sunday and elsewhere that Brown and Clegg had a slanging match on, I think, Friday night? We don't know the night? truth. We don't know the truth that it was fiercely denied by the Lib Dems, but you can see why they would, because that was a fri- that was Friday night that was right back at the beginning of these talks. It was very damaging to have this idea that at the same time as talking to the Tories, he'd already opened biddings with the Labour Party, because if you remember, the one thing that Clegg has tried to be p- true to is his commitment during the campaign that he would deal first with the party that got the strongest, strongest mandate and he Abs- believed that ab- to be Absolutely, clear. so that might have been a bit of a cover story about the row, might it? Yeah, I mean it did sound true, these guys don't get on They certainly don't, um, uh, Rachel Sylvester says in her Times column today the laws of physics make it very difficult for the Tories and the Lib Dems to do a deal, but the laws of chemistry yeah. the personal chemistry yeah. between Clegg and Cameron, it's a good rubbish. way to put it uh, might make it possible. I think that's wrong I've interviewed Nick Clegg a lot and whenever we talk about Cameron, he's very, it's a visceral reaction. He doesn't like him very much, and the reason I think for that, it's just a personal um, an- analysis, but it's quite it's often been something I've come away with, is that is that they're guys that are from very similar backgrounds, but they've made very different choices, and they're the people. Example. Well, Clegg could have been a Tory, and he chose the Lib Dems. Now, why uh, why do we think? It suddenly drifted away from a well, Labour-Lib deal in defiance of Polly Toynbee's express instructions. I've had a very sad conversation with a fantastic Lib Dem source who's a really clever bloke, and he says that basically Labour Party have broken our hearts. They don't want to do a deal with us. Our negotiating team went in to meet Mandelson, Adonis, uh, Miliband and Balls. They want to do a deal? Mandelson, Adonis, don't they? Mandelson, Adonis do. The Young Turks don't. The Young Turks... And I had Lib Dem people ring me up last night very quickly after our first, second edition had gone to bed and we sort of pronounced that this, this Lib Lab love, as some people are calling it, was on the cards. People rang me up and said, have you seen the television? Have you seen John Reid? you seen Tom Harris? you seen David Blunkett? The Rainbow they're, they're, Coalition... They're men now, aren't they? I know, but the me. Rainbow Coalition that would require you to get any legislation through the Commons only requires so tight, and you know this better than I do, it only requires one or two people to sand off. And as one person put it to me last night, well, I've just watched more people sand off on the telly just now that would bring down any legislation than, uh, than or rather the amount that is necessary. Yeah. In other words, the numbers just aren't there, even if the will was there and we're not sure the will is there. Yeah, and apparently these negotiations with the Labour Party were terrible. The one last night, apparently they just said no, 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 no. Who's saying no? The, the Labour Party is But I mean, when Ed Balls is in a room, you think of him as the chap well, to mean, take what, the combative line. Well, well what... what 
I have to say, I think is happening is that this this is about Labour leadership. And if you are running to be a Labour leader and you can see on your television and hear on your radio your own MPs denouncing a deal, why would you be the person to go and strike it when you want to lead them? Good point. So that means we're agreed. It's probably back to Libcon or Con Minority with a, I think a bit what, of what, footsie. What the Lib Dems have asked their negotiating team to go back and get are real sure assurances on. It's not apparently it's not so much cabinet posts, but more absolute representation across government, so that it's just infused throughout the entire government. Because if you think it, what, what they're what they're trying, I mean, the thing that we haven't talked about is what we've got hold of. A very clever Guardian photographer has managed to get um, a picture of. I didn't mention it because I thought it might well, be a Guardian it, exclusive. It is a Guardian Allegra. exclusive, but I assume it will have gone live by the time this goes live. Uh, it's going online in a minute. And um, what's at the bottom are a series of ratios and he's... This is, is a handwritten note, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, which it's fiendishly difficult to decipher. Yeah, well, you and spend all the morning probably on wrong. it, I know. <laughs> And I was kind of turning my head left and right to try and figure out what it said. But what's clear are the ratios at the bottom and, it, and Clegg is obviously saying to the Tory party, yes, OK, we only got 20, or rather, yes, OK, we only have 57 MPs versus your 305, 306, there are different schools of thought on this. But what we need is we had 23% of the national vote, you had 36, adjust it for our influence and we should have 40% of government positions. Will they accept that? God knows. And the note is also interesting because he says red line appears again, allowing for us not being able to read his handwriting. He wants movement on Trident. Will the Tory party move on Trident? God knows. I think there's enough flexibility. That's Mike's hunch on nuclear weapons for them to get round that. I don't think that's a fatal red line. Europe is, I would have thought, much more difficult yeah, well, for them because the it's an everyday Europe. issue. No, we look for the word Europe. We couldn't find it, could we? No. So that sounds like a pretty high barrier there. And they've obviously got to have a couple of places in cabinet. And that means a couple of Tory uh, wannabes get this. What I think we have to be cautious about is timing. I don't think they'll rush. A really, really uh, influential Lib Dem said probably special conference by the week. Weekend. A really influential Lib Dem. Eh? We don't often happen. hear that phrase. And even more and influential now. Now, one thing, the dog that has not barked, dog that has not barked, is the financial markets. They seem to be quite happy with all this shilly shallowing, contrary to what they were told to do, which was panic, by the sun only I on think, Monday. I think that the, <laughs> it does seem that people are doing the opposite of what newspapers ask them to do at the moment. Um, two things, and I'm not a financial expert, so this is all very callow, probably. First thing, hadn't the markets priced in that it was going to be a hung parliament? already so they weren't surprised by this and secondly there's a lot more going on in the world than our little hung parliament negotiations that is a very grown-up point on which to end thank you allegra <laughs> right we're back in portcullis house it's still got the atmosphere of the first day of term everybody hanging around chatting not quite sure what to do we bumped into jim fitzpatrick whom we last met uh, defending the new seat of poplar and limehouse part of his old canningtown constituency against no lesser figure than george galloway jim fitzpatrick you won very handsomely. Did you expect to win that well? No, Michael. As I think uh, we discussed when I saw you during the course of the campaign, we thought it was going to be a very tight three-way contest between us, uh, Galloway, and the Conservatives, with the threat that Galloway would take enough of our votes to let the Tories through the middle. Yes. Uh, and he as said a ton- the same about you that you would that you'd let the Tory in too. So you were both singing from that particular bit of hymn sheet. And as it turned out, um, he was quite clearly wrong, and common sense broke out in East London, and we ended up with um, 
a swing of 1.05% to Labour. There weren't many of of those on the night. Um, And added five points to our vote. And even better, the healthy democracy meant that the turnout went from 47% to 63%. And that means that popular and Limehouse uh, voters have reflected the national trend. So we're very pleased. What's your majority now? 6,030. Now, quietly confident was your catchphrase of the campaign. Are you quietly confident of the outcome of the Lib-Lab-Con negotiations to form a new government? What's your take on that? Uh, My my take is that um, we're being a little bit um, impatient. I think that the Conservatives got the majority of uh, the biggest number of seats. They got the biggest number of votes. We should be standing by and seeing if they can form um, uh, an understanding with the Liberals. And if it falls apart, we should be there to pick up the pieces in the national interest. We shouldn't be wrecking their talks. We ought to be making sure that we're in a position to be able to discuss with the Liberals an alternative programme if possible, um, but it's down to the Liberals and the Conservatives okay. to decide whether they can form a government. Uh, I can follow all that, and I thought at the weekend that's what's happening. But since then, two things have happened. Nick Clegg reveals that he's been having backstairs talks with uh, uh, senior members of the government anyway. And, of course, Gordon Brown rather dramatically said yesterday he'd stand down. Did that all catch you by surprise? I think it did. I don't think the the Liberals announcing that they were in discussions with Labour was that much of a surprise because they would always have to keep those channels of communication open. And if I was wanting to put pressure on the Conservatives to say, look, there are other people I can talk to if you guys aren't going to deal with me, then it's a smart move on behalf of the Liberals. What about Gordon Brown standing down? Gordon Brown's decision, I think, was uh, wholly appropriate. The accusations that he was squatting were completely wrong. That's he has the sun, a, he's, a, he's a responsibility to stay there until such times as he has to go. He has um, to say to the Queen indeed. when he resigns, I recommend that you send yes. for Mr X. And in that instance, he had yeah. no alternative but to remain in Downing okay. Street. I think the, uh, the question mark is whether he ought to have said he's staying until September, October. I don't think he can last that long. And I think his acknowledgement that um, if the Conservatives uh, couldn't um, deal with the Liberals, that the price um, of us dealing with the Liberals would be himself. And if the Conservatives can deal with the Liberals, he's lost the election and he'd have to go. So one way or the other, Gordon knew, I think, the writing was on the wall. So there we are. But uh, John Dennis has been busy while we've been busy here. He's been to Hampstead, where psychotherapy is a major local industry, to ask the voters what they think. Who should the Libs do a deal with? I'm in Hampstead in North London, where Glenda Jackson held her parliamentary seat by just 42 votes over the Conservative challenger. The Lib Dems weren't far behind either, winning 31% of the vote. So should Nick Clegg do a deal with the Conservatives or with Labour? I voted Lib Dem, but quite honestly, uh, I'm 82 now, so I've seen a few hung parliaments and they never bloody will work. Out of the two, I think they should go with the Conservatives. Because they were the largest party? Yeah, I think so. Idealistically, with Labour, but they don't have a workable majority, even the two parties together, so I don't envy being Nick Clegg. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like PR, because it's so distorted. I think it's to do with Labour, because they seem to be more in tune with Labour policies, and there'll be probably more agreement between both parties if they join together. But I think that coalition will probably break down and they'll need another election... In a, in a few months or a year. I did actually vote for Labour, so I guess I want to see them in power, but I don't necessarily agree that it should be Nick Clegg to choose who should be running the country, especially when they only got 50-odd seats. 
I think we need some sort of electoral reform. Labour is a better match, but I think the Tories present a better picture in terms of stability. I think whatever happens, there's going to be, there have to be a re-election within 10, 12 months or something. So I suppose it's going to be a Labour, but I don't think people are going to like it. The Tories should take lead simply because they won. I'm a Labour voter. I feel sorry for the real Lib Dem voters that sincerely vote for their issues because they're being taken apart now by whichever which way. They're going to, everyone's going to have to compromise. I agree that it has to be a compromise of some kind, but I think to voice the Labour Party, which has been rejected upon us because of expediency within their own party. I, I'm very disappointed in Nick Clegg. I had thought he was a man of both courage and honour, and it turns out he's been double-dealing the whole way along. I think it's tragic. I think he should definitely do a deal with Labour. Of course, it will be difficult because who's going to be Prime Minister, but definitely they've got much more in common. The Lib Dems and Labour are both losing parties. They'd have to rely on votes from Scottish nationalists and Plaid Cymru. I don't think you should do a deal with either of them. We should have a new election. The Lib Dems are more like the Conservatives. Um, we've had Brown a long time. Maybe it's time for a change, as they say, and it would be a good idea if uh, David Cameron did a deal with the Lib Dems. That was John Dennis reporting from the coalface at Hampstead. We've got a big spot here in Portcullis House. We've found Andrew Marr, the Andrew Marr, and his legendary producer, inherited from David Frost, Barney Jones. I'm going to do the counterintuitive thing and ask Barney Jones what he thinks uh, is going to happen as a result of all this. I've, I've uh, been listening to people saying very definitely, it looks to me now X is going to happen. And you speak to the same people 24 hours later and they say just as confidently something completely different. So I think there's little value at this time in saying confidently one thing or the other. That's a characteristically uh, Delphic and diplomatic remark from Barney. He hasn't survived in television that long. Andy Mark could afford to be more outspoken. <laughs> an, old, an old political editor in this building. I don't know. We've just been, we've literally just 10 seconds ago watched David Cameron walk past. We've been trying to gauge the depth of his grin and his smile. This is what we're reduced to. Yes, uh, he looked a pretty happy man to me. Yeah. Um, and certainly there's a lot of Labour Party people around here shaking their heads and saying, look, the Rainbow Coalition won't fly. I don't think rainbows do fly, but whatever rainbows do, this one won't. Right. Mixed metaphor there from Andrew Marr. Probably a first, but I think we're in agreement on that one. Thank you both. What, what are we here, Hilary Ben? You look as unsure as me. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Look, there's obviously a lot of talking going on, and we're just going to have to wait and see what the outcome is, Michael. But it's, it's quite interesting if you were how... you a betting man, and I know the Bens aren't. I'm not. I'm absolutely not a betting man, and I must say, after the events of the last 24 hours, I'm, I'm not going to predict. But what is very striking is how Portcullis House has become the, the centre of this great debate about what's going to happen. Yes, so it is. I think we'll just have to watch and wait a little bit longer. Wise right? words. Now, here in Portcullis House, striding through the building in his shirt sleeves and braces, camera in hand because he's a fanatical photographer, is Austin Mitchell, Labour MP for Great Grimsby, since a famous by-election during a Labour minority government in 1977. He wasn't supposed to win, but he did, because he was a famous Yorkshire TV presenter who was even well-known in Grimsby, which, as everybody knows, is not in Yorkshire. No, no. Tell us what do you think is going to happen, Austin. I hate Yorkshire, and I'm the only immigrant problem in Grimsby. What's going to happen? I I don't know, but uh, I think uh, the inevitable winner is Cameron. He, he less, lost, we all lost, but he lost less badly than others. And he's got the best prospects of forming government. He's got two minority choices. Minority government? A minority government. If he forms a minority government, he'll be chucked out by November. But he can call an early election and people will say, I'll give him a go. It's not his fault. Uh, 
if you follow what Harold Wilson did in 1964, exactly but failed to so do in 74, in really. 74, the Tories are fobbing them off at the moment by saying, we'll have a, ref a referendum on the alternative vote. Well, the alternative vote is the idiot's version of electoral reform. It doesn't count for much. But what we need is PR with proportional representation in Parliament according to the vote. AMS, now, that's, so a, single all, that's all the Liberals should settle for. And if they settle for a referendum on that in two years' time, at the same time as a general election, uh, then we've got two years' stable government and it'll work. This is David Lammy who's shaking his head, but does that mean you don't really know what's going on? None of us do, do we? No, he's miming, no, I'm not prepared to talk. Well, I had a brief chat there with David Lammy, who didn't want to be uh, quoted on the record or interviewed. That's what we call in political journalism, talking to somebody on lobby terms. They're happy to talk to you and they're happy to be frank. But if they were on the microphone, they'd be much more guarded in what they say. And that's why uh, reporters like me often talk about Labour backbenchers think or Blairites think. Uh, uh, we want them to be frank and they sometimes don't want to be quoted. Uh, and uh, that's pretty routine. I've spoken to Mr Lammy, I've spoken to one or two other uh, Labour MPs since we last uh, uh, spoke and uh, what I'm picking up is quite a degree of anger that the party leadership should make the kind of offers they're now making to the Liberal Democrats uh, with or without Gordon Brown in charge without consulting the Parliamentary Labour Party, the backbenchers, the troops and they say the Liberals are, as they often call them, uh, close to us now, second in so many seats uh, it would be difficult enough to get cuts through with the majority we had a week ago. Damn near impossible now with this sort of flaky rainbow coalition. We are hacked off. Uh, we are disgruntled. We don't think it's going to happen and we don't want it to happen. We know each other. We do. Jonathan Evans. But you've been a member before. I was a member before. You see, my, the old memory is not completely gone. Absolutely. Where were you the Neither member before and where are you the member for now, John? Uh, I was member from 1997 in Brecon and Radnor and a minister in three departments in the last Conservative government. And we met as well, Michael, when I was leader of the Conservatives in the European Parliament. And where did you get uh, uh, elected this time? Cardiff North. What do you think is going to happen in the negotiations? Are we going to be LibCon coalition, LibLab or neither? I think our negotiations are complete now, aren't they? I mean, there's other negotiations taking place. Isn't this uh, the current oh, state of play? Yeah, I don't know. That's certainly one way of putting it, yes. I thought so we'd made an offer. David Cameron says today's decision day. No, well, I think, I, as far as I understand it, an offer has been made. You know Welsh Labour pretty well. Do you think Welsh Labour will put up with a, uh, a deal with Welsh Liberals? I would have thought both Welsh Labour and Scottish Labour won't like the idea of proportional representation all that much. Can we do a quick podcast interview with it? What is yeah. a podcast? Uh, they pay very well. Oh, in that case. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore that last remark. Yeah. Uh, we've just spotted uh, Steve Pound, Ealing North's uh, Labour MP still. Yeah. Yes, indeed, with an increased majority, Michael. Not many Labour MPs can say yeah. this. Funniest man in Parliament. The competition's not too steep. Uh, no, odd oddest, I think, is the word you're looking for. Fine. Now, uh, you don't 
and wouldn't claim to know what's going on, but you talk a good game anyway. Yeah. So what's going on, Steve Burke? <laughs> well, I just got off the tube and bumped into Mayor Bloomberg and Mayor Boris Johnson um, with an enormous fight taking place in the underground. The mayors of New York and London and on indeed, the underground, what yeah. were they doing well, there, for I, I, there, sake? There was, there was a man who was about eight foot tall with his ear full of plastic, and I said, what are you doing here? And he said, his honour is here to study your CCTV programme. And I said, well, you could probably bloody watch it in New York. I mean, it's, it's that pervasive. But uh, no, as for what's going Security on... Security cameras we're talking here, aren't we? Indeed we are. <laughs> and uh, did, did we, do we know if his honour has uh, formed a view as to whether or not they're desirable or an affront to American liberty? Well, he, he is at this moment, sir, taking cognizance and due, and due oversight and overview of the system operative in um, this great city of... What was it called again? <laughs> That's the one. Now, let's, let's get from these serious matters down to the trivia. Who's going to form a government with the Liberal Democrats? Uh, Gordon or Dave? No, it's going to be the Avatar. I mean, no question about that. It's, it's going to be blue-yellow. Uh, look, there's, there's many wonderful things, re- things about being a London MP. One of the joys is you actually get out on the patch for a couple of hours in the morning. And the idea that in some tenial illustrated Alice in Wonderland madness. You can have the people who come second and third forming a sort of coalition of losers and suddenly vaulting to first is insanity. It's been greeted with hoots of derision on the doorstep. I loathe conservatism. I hate the Tory policy and philosophy. I despise almost all of them. But they won the bloody election. If we did have some sort of a blue-red coalition of, of madness, we would be at the mercy. Alex Salmond would be holding us in the palm of his sweaty, gnarled hand. What a there horrible is... image. On that note, pip-pip, I'm off to lunch. <laughs> well, there we are, another day of uncertainty uh, and plotting and backstairs negotiations and general excitement without much go on. Andy Marr, no less, is reduced to trying to gauge the size of David Cameron's smile. That sums it all up. I think we're going to be back again tomorrow. Uh, do join us. This is Michael White from Guardian Daily Election Podcast. It goes on and on.